We have to get past this notion that social needs equal spiritual needs. And once we do that, we can look at people just as Jesus did, rich or poor, and he knew exactly who needed the gospel. Welcome to the Pioneers in Europe podcast, where we discuss missions, life, opportunities, and challenges across Europe. My name is Mark. I'll be your host today. Thanks for listening. Well, we're here today with Steve in France. Steve is the Regional Director of Pioneers in Europe. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Steve. Hi, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're excited to hear about what, what's going on. And you're a little bit different than the other interviews we've done so far because you not only have a local ministry in France, you also oversee from a 30,000 foot view, all of our teams in Europe. So tell me a little bit about your role and uh, how that how that plays out for you on a day-to-day basis. I serve as the regional leader for, for pioneers in Europe. We're in uh, 22 different countries and I oversee nine area leaders. So they do most of the heavy lifting. My role is really just to serve them as they serve our 77 teams throughout Europe. I uh, try to offer encouragement, resourcing, um, keep the big picture in view, and be with them, I guess you could say. So as your role as a regional director, you look over Europe and there is just a lot going on there. A lot of different types of ministries, a lot of different challenges, a lot of different opportunities. What what are you seeing right now in 2017 as far as ministry opportunities across Europe? Yeah, well, there are several. Uh, The first is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Uh, leads to a lot of open doors for talking about the Protestant history of Europe, much of which didn't affect a lot of Europe, but definitely uh, left some pretty important marks, especially on some of the northern countries. Uh, For instance, northern France, Germany, um, a lot of of England. Uh, So we're able to capitalize on that. I think one of the big things in the European mindset is a appreciation of history as an American I like history, but uh, the French, it's, for instance, the French are often said to live with one foot in the past and one foot in the present. Most Americans, I find, including myself, live with one foot in the present, the other one in the future. So to be able to come in and bring the gospel in a manner of, of reminding the Europeans that the reform actually, the Reformation actually started here on this continent and then spread to America helps us to get past the um, the idea, the false idea that that, that, that Christianity is actually a, an American export into Europe. So that's one of the big things we're trying to capitalize on that this 500th anniversary. I think another thing that's obviously happening uh, throughout Europe is a explosion of immigrants, uh, refugees, asylum seekers. We've seen in the last two years, we've seen more than a million uh, 
people from the Middle East and North Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa make their way to to Europe. That's radically changing the 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 spiritual atmosphere. And some people would even go as far as to say that what God's doing among those people might, in fact lead to a revival of sorts among Europeans. So we're trying to position ourselves yeah. to be able to um, capitalize on those two realities this year. Yeah, I've heard that uh, recent influx in uh, Muslim background people presents the greatest opportunity for the gospel among those people that the world has ever seen. Uh, would you agree with that? And if so, is there anything that Pioneers in Europe is doing about that to be part of that uh, opportunity? Oh, definitely. We've formed a a, um, a network across our nine areas uh, to specifically uh, gather team leaders and area leaders together to to talk about this 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 new opportunity. So we're repositioning, restructuring ourselves in that sense. I think. One of the one of the just an example of how God is working among uh, these these peoples. Uh, most of them are coming, and this is part of what you won't see on the news with a distaste of Islam. They, for them, Islam their their was the problem which caused them to leave their their homelands. So uh, they're coming and they're open spiritually. They're still they're still deists. They're not ready to accept. Uh, the the um, atheism they're not ready to accept uh, w- the religion of Europe which is atheism they're um, they're hungry they're searching spiritually for something so as as the church can turn towards them and present them the gospel uh, we're finding across across the countries we're working in just very fertile ground for uh, for the for the good news and the love of God to to really be uh, presented and then accepted. Just a local example: we had uh, we're down here in the southwest corner of France, uh, probably about as far as I thought you could get away from the refugee and immigrant uh, issue. But in reality, it's uh, we've we've had several Syrian families and several. Um, North African families move into our neighborhood and we've been able to help them with their um, just paperwork and help them get set up, help them get food and and clothing, um, offer them friendship and help them navigate some of the, the different intricacies of France. And they're just hungry spiritually. I sat down with my pastor, our local pastor here, and a group of Syrians and um, he said, hey, let's open the word of God and let's and let's read a, a Bible verse. And uh, you could just see around the circle these these men and women just leaning in to what God was saying. Whereas most of the Bible studies we've tried to to get started have been sort of a. You know, a typical European would just be laying back, maybe discussing everything uh, on a theoretical basis. But these folks were just leaning in and hungry to hear of um, of what God was was saying to them through the word of God. So that's just a local example. And if that's happening here in this part of France, it's got to be happening through all of our major metropolitan areas across Europe. Yeah, that's exciting. I know that, uh, as you mentioned, sometimes it's challenging to 
reach local national Europeans. Um, it's been said that Europe is a post-Catholic, post-Protestant, post-modern, post-everything society. So that creates some challenges uh, and maybe some opportunities as well. How, how do you deal with that from a local national standpoint? How are you seeing our teams engage across Europe with secular atheists? Yeah, good question. That has been the long, hard road uh, since pioneers moved into uh, Europe some 30 years ago, has been how do you engage all of those post-whatever people groups who feel legitimately, they feel legitimately in their souls and their hearts that Europe has tried Christianity and it's failed them greatly. Why would they even go back to those dark ages? So, uh, but 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 one of the things we often, um, I think, mischaracterize Europe as in saying it's a post-Christian continent um, and somehow that there was once a vibrant form of Christianity here and I, I would correct that and say Europe is mostly a post-Christian dumb uh, continent where where they've they've tasted the state and um, aristocrat melange of of Christianity uh, controlled and governed from Rome, um, and that was prolific across the continent up until the French Revolution. And that's not a, that's not as you and I know that's not the relationship with Jesus based Christianity that the Bible speaks about. So um, we're often trying to correct that misconception that post that that Europe actually tried Christianity and it didn't work. It caused division. It caused abuse. And we're trying to say, but what Europe hasn't tried, at least recently, has been um, a a relationship with the God of the Bible through Jesus Christ. One of the questions I've asked other people is, if if someone was interested in Europe, like what type of person uh, thrives here? What type of person might find Europe challenging? I think people see Europe as a mission field that, well, I'm not really cut out for the other hardcore mission fields, but I can do Europe. And talk to us about why that's a wrong thinking and uh, how to how to think rightly about missions yeah. in Europe. Well, I, I come from, a, my wife and I come from a, a unique perspective. Uh, we've been here for 10 years, but the majority of our missions experiences was, was actually in the Caribbean and in Africa. Uh, so we 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 always grew up thinking that um, there was a, a, a that that social needs and spiritual needs were synonymous, or physical needs and spiritual needs were synonymous. So uh, where there were poor, there was obviously a need for the gospel, and that was how we grew up and were educated. Uh, so when the Lord Lord opened the door for us to move into Europe, we said um, initially, oh, why would we go to Europe? They're they're wealthy. In fact, I've even heard people say they have money. Why do they need Jesus? Uh, When you say it out loud like that, it sounds so ridiculous. But when you look at our mission strategy over the past, uh, our current mission strategy, it's much easier to raise awareness for why I could go be a missionary in Ghana, West Africa, than why I could come to the West Coast, the beautiful West Coast of France. Um, 
and yet Ghana is overrun with churches, is in fact sending out its own missionaries, and the church here in France is actually on the decline. So we have to get past this notion that social needs equal spiritual needs. And once we do that, we can look at people just as Jesus did, rich or poor, and he knew exactly who needed the gospel. So oftentimes here in France, people say they have everything. And um, in most of the European countries, uh, our national our national friends would say they have everything. What do they need God for? And um, so that that presents a really big challenge for the for the missionary coming to um, or should I say for the church planter coming to Europe, because they're not going to find those easy bridges into the gospel. What they will find is a whole set of other bridges. For instance, in in Africa, we used health and sanitation as a bridge for the gospel Uh, here. um, We. We're, we're using uh, fellowship and friendship because there, with individualism, we find there's an extreme, well, an individualism and a breakdown of the family. We find there's a lot of isolation in people and they're hungry for community. So by um, pushing forward the, the communal aspects of, of our faith in Christ, Christianity suddenly becomes attractive. Let me give you an example. We have an, a local church here. And uh, uh, we have, I think we counted last week that in our small congregation, which is probably about 50 people, 50 adults, we have about 19 different nationalities. Okay, Um, that that does not happen in any other social social network here in Europe. So people look at that and they say, how does that work? How do you offer uh, community and how does how does an African become friends with an English woman or an American man? And, you know, how does that work? And it's a it's a perfect entree for the gospel. You know, I think another thing, the spiritual atmosphere of Africa um, with the animistic Islam, um, a lot of the voodoo in the Caribbean, witchcraft, um, Satan is so overt and it's so different from how we grew up in, in, in North America or in Australia. And you just expect spiritual opposition, uh, here it's very similar to how we grew up in as North Americans, but I'm telling you, from, from 10 years of being here, the spiritual opposition we face here in France is as great, if not greater, than the spiritual opposition we faced in, um, in Africa. A lot of people are sick. We have a lot of our workers struggle with illnesses. Um, my wife and I were diagnosed with Lyme disease. We've had hearing loss. We've had different health challenges that we didn't have when we were in Africa. What would you say to the person that is maybe listening to this podcast and thinking, maybe God is calling me to be a missionary, to be a church planner, and maybe it's even in Europe. Uh, so there, there are ways away from arriving or and all that stuff, but what, what piece of advice would you give that person in terms of preparation or, or whatever, you, whatever you think? What, what do you say to that person? Yeah, that's a a great question. I would say start sharing your faith, start learning to defend your faith, start learning to uh, build team 
uh, start learning to work on team. Um, a lot of the things you're going to need for ministry here in Europe, you can find on any college campus in the U.S. Um, I love U.S. college campuses because they tend to be very liberal and they tend to have a worldview very similar to many of um, the European countries we work in. So I would say... Um, you know, turn off the Fox News, um, get out of your church, get over to a, a secular liberal college campus and start sharing the gospel. And um, that will prepare you for ministry here in France uh, and in the rest of Europe, especially up in the Czech Republic, which, by the way, is the most atheistic country in the world. Um, just found that out in the last year. But um, so that would be the first thing. The second thing I think would be to um, go back to your church and get involved in ministry, get involved in um, in supporting your local church. Most of our of our workers uh, in France, albeit though they are planting churches, they're planting churches with small and from smaller evangelical church communities. Um, and you need to get rid of the mindset that um, that all of the churches in the world are healthy churches with massive wor- worship bands, with laser light shows, and with um, pizza nights for their youth. Um, there's a reason that Europe is unreached. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that the church is, and many times, just limping along in some of these countries. So... Don't expect to come over here and find the same kind of evangelical community that you um, that you're used to in the states. That might be a no-brainer for a church planter looking to work among the unreached. But it's amazing how some of these expectations just kind of uh, are unspoken. And um, so those would be the two things that I would say. Uh, even if you get involved in refugee ministry in uh, some of the big city centers, Somalians, I heard recently that outside of Mogadishu, Minneapolis has the largest concentrations, is the second largest Somali city in the world. So um, you can start plugging into uh, reaching those communities. You'll learn a lot there that would help you reach out to Syrians in Paris or um, or different uh, people. I would say the third thing is um, is really be prepared to learn language well. So um, we need to start working uh, from day one and all the way through your missions career on learning either French, German, Italian, Spanish, wherever the Lord leads you in in um, in, in Europe. Uh, be prepared for the long haul of, of language learning. Well, lots to chew on from this interview, and uh, thank you for taking the time today and sharing with our people uh, a little bit of the... Th- the big picture view across Europe. It's exciting, uh, challenging, but uh, the Lord's going to call who he's going to call and he's going to use who he's going to use. So thanks for being part of that. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Pioneers in Europe, be sure to check out our website, www.pioneersineurope.com. There you'll find articles, updates, and opportunities to get involved with the work God is doing across Europe. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Pioneers Europe and on Facebook at Pioneers in Europe. Thanks. Join us next time.